We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good evening and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. I'm Sammy Jacobs. Along with us is TJ Inman and Matt Weaver. Hopefully Andy Graham can join us here in a little bit, but it is his birthday and he's probably out celebrating. So uh, happy birthday to Andy. We wanted to go over and do kind of a state of the program uh, for Indiana football. It is IU's bye week. They enter the bye week uh, at three, a disappointing, uh, frustrating three and five, uh, one in what, four in the Big Ten. Uh, and, and on a five-game losing streak. Um, Matt, I wanted to get your uh, opinion on this first. And, you know, I came up kind of with five questions that Indiana has to ask itself in, in terms of this program. Uh, and the first question would be, has the Tom Allen era run its course? He's in year six. Uh, he had a, a couple real good years in 2019 and 2020 uh, that people – uh, you, you discounted at your own risk um, and whatever. But the last two years, uh, a total of five wins right now, uh, going into the last four games of, of 2022. What's your feel on, on the Tom Allen era right now? Well, I mean, it's a, that's a loaded question as it run its course. I mean, it doesn't look good. I mean, let's put it that way. It, the, the train is off the tracks. Um, and let's just assume they lose out, which is, you know, I mean, let's be honest, that's looking like a pretty high prob- probability. Um, that's one Big Ten win in two years. Um, and quite honestly, even today, I, I still, still – I'm not sure how they beat Illinois because Illinois obviously looks pretty good. But it's one Big Ten win in two years and five uh, over two seasons. I mean, it's just – mine. we've talked about this kind of, you know, privately off the air – it's just baffling how this program, it wasn't a slow decline. It's like you pushed a car off a cliff after 2020. Um, These last two years have just been a complete free fall. The bottom's fallen out. So that's what makes you kind of concerned. It would be one thing if it was kind of a slow decline. This is a complete bottoming out in no time. So, I mean, has it run its course? I think it's a fair question. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm glad I don't have to be the person that makes that decision, but it definitely is not, all all the momentum is definitely gone from this program. And then, you know, question number two is if it has run its course, is IU spending the the $25 million at the end of the year to buy them out? I think the consensus in this group is no, Um, that buyout drops uh, to just under 20 million, I believe, at the end of the in December of 2023, and then drops in half in December of 2024. Uh, TJ, I want to ask your, your question on that. What's your feeling on this program right now, outside of just general fart noises and frustration and, and things like that? Uh, well, 
I mean, Pete Campbell from Mad Men, the meme that everybody uses now, not great, Bob. It's not great, Bob. Um, it, it's, it's really bad. There is not any particular reason to have hope. Um, you and I texted about this, uh, I think it was earlier this week, kind of attempting to figure out, okay, this is where I use at. Let's take stock of some of the positive things that, that might be a reason that it could turn around. And it, it's a pretty short list, um, yeah. if we're being honest. Uh, you, you would hope that I think that what it would take is a difference-making mobile quarterback would have to elevate everything around him for Indiana to get back to being competitive for a bowl game. Um, does IU have that currently on the roster in Dexter Williams or Sorsby or maybe Brock Lowry coming in in the future? We don't know that. It, it's a possibility, maybe. Um, you hope that the recruiting classes that on paper were ranked as highly as any recruiting classes in memory uh, over the past two off seasons, that as those guys kind of mature and develop and are sophomores and juniors, that maybe that would improve things to some extent. So that's sort of where your kind of optimism or reasons for optimism ends. Um, And with the transfer portal, I think that there's a very real fear that those well-regarded players on paper that may or may not be playing very much at all yet, that they look around and say, hey, this isn't very much fun losing every conference game um, or there's not much of an NIL opportunity here. I'm going to go back to Florida or go home to Georgia, whatever. And you lose a lot of those underclassmen that you were counting on to develop for the future. Yep. That's a possibility. So uh, the kind of 10,000 foot view of things with us being on the outside looking in uh, not much reason for hope. And your second question there, is IU going to pay that buyout? Absolutely not. There is there is no way IU is going to pay that buyout. Is there a very wealthy donor or group of donors that decide, hey, we are going to invest in IU football. We're going to start by paying this buyout. And then we're going to pay big money to go get a coach that we want to install, uh, that we believe in. And then we're going to back it with NIL funds and facility upgrades. Uh, History would suggest, no, those people aren't out there either. Yeah. So Um, that's kind of what we have, right? Yeah, that's kind of of where we're at. And uh, Matt, I I wanted to ask you about uh, something else. Is is this – fixable is it a matter of just pouring money into it um 
you know, with either with the buyout or keeping Allen and upgrading facilities and increasing NIL um, and maybe hitting the transfer portal for, for some reinforcements next year. Uh, how, how do you build, how does Indiana go about building a football program? I know it's a discussion that we've had a lot, um, all, all three of us. And, you know, the 2023 schedule came out, uh, the Big Ten schedule came out, and you opened the season with Ohio State. So that's not great. Um, you know, it, it's if you have, if you end this season with any momentum, you're probably losing that right at the start of next year. You're playing a silly game against uh, Louisville, who might be, may or may not be rebuilding or may or may not have Jeff Brown, a head coach, up in Indy. Uh, you have Notre Dame on the schedule down the road. You have two more games against Louisville, one at home, one on the road. Just how, how does IU go about building this program? Do they, do they need a, a total revamp of philosophy to, to go on the, the Fred Glass, um, you know, why Tom Allen was here, philosophical differences? Do they need a different philosophy in the athletic department about how to build this football team or football program? I think that's a fair argument, and, and it's hard to disagree with it. And, and this is not to take a shot at anybody in the athletic department, but I've said this to people, you know, in the last 20 years, um, what has IU done? I mean, let's be honest. It's great that you win in women's basketball or swimming and diving or you have these Olympians, but at the end of the day, that doesn't bring you an ounce of uh, uh, any money. In fact, it costs you money. Um, there's two sports that matter. Quite honestly, it's one. I mean, football is where you get the majority of your media money. It just is. I mean, if basketball is so important, Duke and Kansas and those programs, people will be falling all over themselves to try to get them in their conference, and they're not. It, 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 but football is where it's at. And, you know, this school has been focused on basketball for all of our lifetimes and for even – I mean, it's just the way it is. Um, and it's, it, it's, it's a narrow-minded and it's the wrong approach. It just is. And in the last 20 years, what have you done in football and basketball? I mean, basketball is supposed to be their, their marquee program, and they've had – you could argue since that 2002 national championship run where they lost to Maryland, they've had three good seasons in 20 years in basketball, and they were Which all on is, the screen. I mean, you, you could can, argue that football has been at least even with them. You know, going to the Sweet 16 is maybe like going to the Gator Bowl or the Outback Bowl. It, what, you know, in terms of level of success, I mean, you're not having an impact on the national championship. Um, or as much chance to, to impact the national championship at that level than you do at, at making, you know, the NCAA tournament. So I, I, I would say that football has been at least even in terms of success the last, you know, it will go 15 years, um, especially, you know, starting in 2015, uh, than the basketball is. Uh, it's a, that, and that's a, that's a great point. I mean, um you know, I, it's, I mean, this, 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 the basketball program, what was it, four or five years, they didn't go to the NCAA tournament. Now, I know there was the COVID year and they, they, people say they probably would have gone, but they would have barely snuck in just like they did last year. Um, you know, so, and it doesn't make you money. I mean, it's just, it, it's just frustrating and um, just so irritating that the vast, the football program, I mean, you don't even have a football facility at Indiana. Okay, the north end zone is, I've said this, I say this to you all the time, it's not a football facility. If other sports are using the facility, it's not a football facility, it's a sports facility. 
and you have multiple sports in there. It's ridiculous. It, they need. I mean, I don't understand how you don't have a facility for your football program. Basketball has their own facility. I mean, even women's basketball has their own facility. I mean, it, it's just. I don't. It, it just makes. It, it's. I don't know what to do. You just want to bang your head against the wall because you just don't understand why one school repeatedly does not seem to get it. And you know, I'm not. I, there's a lot of people in the athletic department I think highly of, but they, they their priorities are not are not in the right order. They're just not. Um, and you know, you have boosters. I mean, TJ said it, there's nobody that's going to pay that money. Uh, you know, I mean, they came up with $10 million and I know 10 million is not the same as 20 or 25, but they came up with 10 million to get rid of Archie. Um, I mean, there's no, even if Tom Allen's was 10 million, they wouldn't be able to come up with 10 million to get rid of it. They wouldn't, right. not at least from boosters. They'd have to, they would have to pay it out of their own pocket because people, the boosters just don't care. And it's just amazing to me. And then they complain, well, we need this for basketball. We need this. We want a better arena. Well, you're so clueless. If you want a better arena, then support football because that's where the money comes from. It doesn't come from basketball. I've said it before. Bobby Knight was the best and the worst thing to ever happen in Indiana. A guy like him will never come along. And whether you liked him or not, he was a master fundraiser. People would basically give him his kids, sell their kids to give him money um, because he was such a charismatic guy and he won and people loved him. But he also covered up what it, the problems that Indiana had because he brought in that money. And now that you don't have that kind of figure in the athletic department, you are lagging way behind everybody else, way behind everybody else. I mean, you know, Wisconsin's doing a $300 million thing. Northwestern, I know they're a private, they're building a new stadium. You got schools, there's money back and forth, and Indiana is nothing. The indoor facility is a complete joke. Um, it's, it's embarrassing. Um, and the football stadium, um, while there's been upgrades, it's still behind. I mean, the, you know, the, the facilities for uh, inside the stadium need to be better. Like I said, you need your own one for football. So I don't know. They, they, they need a new, fresh perspective, in my opinion. And I'm not saying you need to fire people. I'm just saying they need a fresh perspective that knows about how to win at football. Somebody who came from, from the South or somewhere where football is king. Um, but I just don't know if it's ever going to happen because Indiana is still setting their ways about basketball. Um, I just don't know if it's ever going to change. Yeah. Um, yeah. TJ, go ahead. I can't disagree with, with any of that. Um, I, I would also add, I mean, from an NIL standpoint, which is, I mean, like it or not, that is the current reality. I think that the majority of people understand that. Um, whether or not there is a buy-in, if you will, I think it's getting there on the basketball side. Um, and you could make a reasonable argument that Indiana's basketball team, I think I think it's more than just an argument. I think it's reality. Um Indiana's basketball team this season has a chance to be really good because of the NIL programs that are in place and the money that has been donated by a pair of collectives and fans and donors to, to entice people like Jalen Hood Shafino, Malik Renault, and returning players like Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson to, hey, let's have another season in Bloomington. 
that infrastructure, that desire does not exist for football. Doesn't exist for Indiana. It's, it's not zero, but it's pretty close. And I want people to try to think about the most important issues to recruits would be what? Number one, can you get me to the NFL? Number two, I would like to be a part of a winning program. Number three, what is available for me NIL-wise? Because I see all these other recruits that are in college, and they're getting deals from this company and sponsorship here and donated funds there. And if IU's coaching staff is trying to bring in a a four-star prospect that also has Michigan State and Penn State and, I don't know, uh, some SEC school, Auburn, on his list, how on earth is the coaching staff supposed to convince that particular kid that I used the best place for him? I, I, I don't know. Like, I, it's an incredible feat for this coaching staff to be able to recruit as well as they have given the results on the field the past couple of seasons and the obstacles that are in place because of the lack of resources in the program. And that's, at some point, that stops. Like at some point you run into a wall and that's that's up. And I think we may have kind of started to reach that wall where NIL has become such a part of the process, and IU is so far behind it uh, from a football standpoint that I really don't see what legs the coaching staff has to stand on when it comes to recruiting. And once you stop recruiting successfully, you have to really develop or really rely on your development of players, and that's something that, quite frankly, we haven't seen much of uh, from this particular regime. Um, yeah. I don't, again, I, I don't really see much of a reason for a lot of hope. You mentioned the 2023 schedule. That, I mean, just look on the Peaks message boards. I'm sure, Matt, you saw this. Right away, people look at that schedule, and the majority of posters are saying, wow, two wins, three wins. I mean, One win. we haven't even finished losing the games this season, and we're already morbid over the results for next season. It, it's, yeah. it's sad. Matt, let's talk a little recruiting uh, here. Uh, IU's going to have some holes to fill uh, in next year's class. What are, what are you hearing on the, the recruiting trail? Well, I mean, I put a, I put up in the inside of the locker room today where the coaches were this week, and and um, you know they're right now the plane is fourteen or fifteen high school guys. Now, obviously, you know, and TJ mentioned this, and I don't think he's, I don't think he, you know, I think he could end up being right that attrition could be something that happens if you know with this season keeps going like it's going, and guys, you know, who aren't playing, who are pretty highly regarded young players, jump in the portal. I'm not saying I'm hearing that. I'm just saying that's the way that today's college football is, especially with the portal guys get itchy and they move on because they want to try to go somewhere else. 
But assuming, let's say there's not a ton of attrition, 14 or 15, then I, I think you'll probably see around seven, eight, maybe 10, you know, transfers and or junior college guys. Um, you know, Brian, or Brandon Shelby was at some JUCOs this week. Uh, Lee Wilbanks, who's kind of filling in this week, is one of the recruiters. He's a recruiting guy. He, he's out on the road. He hit some JUCOs. Um, uh, Paul Randolph, the D-line coach, was at some JUCOs. So you can kind of see the position cornerback Jason Jones was at some JUCOs cornerback safety D-line um, you're probably going to see them try to hit try to get some JUCOs because at safety corner you're going to be losing a number of guys and you really need to probably bring in some experienced guys to kind of bridge the gap so um, you know recruiting it's kind of you know when I say at a standstill you're always recruiting but when the season's going on I mean you know I think mm-hmm. you'll start seeing some guys schedule official visits in early December but you know I mean it's going to be tough. I mean, if you go three and nine after two and 10, you know, you may have to lean on the portal more than you probably wanted to, because it may be tough for, for one, you're going to need older guys. Because if you, if you go three and nine, your next season is, you know, buyout or not next season is going to be critical for, for this staff. And you're probably not going to trust it to young kids. Um, You know, so you're probably going to look at transfers more, but you know, some have worked out for Indiana. I think you can make the case that maybe, you know, just as many haven't, you know, they, there's been some guys that obviously have worked out and come in and played well, but there's some that really haven't made the impact that people probably were expecting. And so, you know, um, but it, it's right now I'm looking at 14, 15 high school guys, seven, eight, 10 transfers, uh, ask me in a month and that could be completely different. All right. Well, Andy Graham is joining us now, Matt. Um, I wanted to get Andy's, uh, state of the program. Uh, we've been talking state of the program, Andy. Uh, what needs to be fixed? What can be fixed? And and things like that. Uh, so, what's your overall view of uh, your ten thousand foot view of Indiana football right now, Andy? And also, happy birthday. I was going to say it's my birthday, so I, I refuse to be overly pessimistic. But uh, no, it's good to hear Matt's voice. By the way, it's uh, he's a good man. And then. He- Case uh, no, I mean I think everybody. I'm sure uh, you guys probably cover the same sort of emotional and uh, analytical ground that I would cover. Uh, it's difficult right now. Um, uh, they really needed to get that one Saturday. I mean I, I think that uh, uh, you beat Rutgers in four and four, and we're having a different com- conversation. And uh, but there's been um, there's been too many things that have gone awry. Uh, and I think that it's been disappointing. I, I, I think that, uh, for example, the uh, I went into the season pretty much pretty feeling fairly secure that the secondary was going to be a real strength of the team, and just hasn't panned out that way. Um, they haven't been horrible all the time, but they really haven't you know they haven't played as consistently well as I would have hoped. And uh, I really don't understand why. I mean, I could go back two years, you know. Uh, Two, two years previously, it was a lot of these same guys with Taiwan Bowen and Jalen Lucas and Monster Matthews, Brian Fitzgerald, a lot of really experienced guys who were starting and playing regularly back then and playing really well, actually. So I know it's in them. I know they're capable of it. And we see signs of that pretty much all the time, but it just hasn't been consistent enough. Uh, everybody harps on the offensive line and I'm in I'm somebody that does that pretty consistently too. Um, that's always, I think, been a truism about football is that at any level, how your offensive line is has a lot to do to determine with how you're going to play and what your future is and all of that. Um, I could look at the offensive line, for example, and 
going into a very tough schedule next year and say to myself, okay, you know, should that unit be adequate? Should it be strong enough? Well, you're going to have a lot of really experienced guys, you know, theoretically, if, if you don't have a bunch of departures into the portal, you know, you're, you're going to have uh, Caddick and Carpenter and, and uh, got the two young guys out there playing now at, at right guard and, and right tackle quite a bit. You got Josh Sales out there, Will Benson, and you got, uh, you know, you got Matthew Bedford coming back, presumably from uh, uh, after he rehabs his injury. So that's just five guys right there who should be able, in my view, to give you a reasonably adequate offensive line. But, you know, we're going to have to see it. I, I'm, I guess I'm done looking, I'm done projecting uh, different units of the team and seeing a lot of returnees and seeing a lot of people who I think are proven players and being very optimistic about it because we haven't seen the kind of sustained performance that we need to see. And, you know, that, that leads into the quarterback situation too. And I don't, you guys have probably already discussed this, but I think a bye week is a perfect time to see what Dexter Williams has to offer now. You know, let's, let's just, you know, the, the Colts are doing the same thing up in India as, as we speak. Um, so I'll be interested in that, but the overall view is that it's, um, you know, things up to now haven't really fallen down the rabbit hole like they did last season. Uh, I do expect the the team to come off a bye week and play hard against a good opponent. Um, it always seems like Indiana's coming off a bye week and playing somebody really good, by the way. That's going to happen next year, too, looking at the schedule. Um, so, you know, how many, by the way, how many, how many opponents has Indiana played when they were coming off their bye week this year? I think three, like three already. It, yeah, yeah, three, Western <laughs> Kentucky, Nebraska, and Rutgers. I'll tell you what, you know, I was really hoping that the Big Ten was going to go away from divisions heading into yeah. the next season. I, I understand why they're not. I mean, it, it would be probably making two uh, alterations in successive years. I mean, if they change uh, it going somebody, into next year. Somebody getting paid seven figures has to do a little bit more work, Andy. We would, yeah, we well, I'm, you know, I mean, it's 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 not an excuse. Actually, you're right. You know, they they should have fixed it this year, but uh, they haven't done Indiana any favors. The schedule makers up at the Big Ten. I'll no, and this way. is and it's it's it, it's good. The same is going to be true next year. And Tom's going to be Tom. You know, is is presumably going to be coaching for his career next year. So the schedule makers didn't do him any favors. No, and it's, it's a very – I look back at, at – um, the schedule was released in 2018 through the 2025 season with some small tweaks for 2020 uh, with flipping, you know, Michigan and Michigan State a home and away. Uh, but it, it – the schedule for next year was always Illinois um, at Illinois. It was always Wisconsin at home, and it was always opening with mm-hmm. Ohio State. So – um, yeah, schedule. It's I, I I wish they would go away from divisions, um, but that's a discussion for another time. I guess you know if, if you're getting paid six seven figures, you, you should only have to do things once. But whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, if, if you're gonna look at you know, just focusing back on this season, I mean, that, that's all true. Is that you know, coming into the season, uh, I, I think. Coach Allen said this, and I think a lot of folks said this, that uh, this season should uh, put the lie either to, you know, what happened in 2021 or what happened in 2019 or 2018. In other words, what was the real status of this team? Was it the team 
a lot of the same guys that we saw go six and one in the Big Ten East, you know, two years ago during the COVID year and went eight and four in the regular season year before that, or was it the team we saw fall apart with injuries and whatnot last year? Uh, and I'm afraid that uh, so far the verdict is it resembles more of last season than it does the previous two. And I think you're asking for my 10,000 feet overview look. That's, that kind of sums that up. Yeah. So moving forward, Andy, um, in my opinion, and uh, I think a lot of people's opinions, it, it, you mentioned Dexter Williams. Is this a case where IU, you, not punting the season per se, but you go and, and kind of see what you have um, in reserves and, and see, you know, evaluate the guys who haven't played and, uh, you know, haven't played a big role who, yeah, well, who you expect to play. Yeah. Is that what you, yeah, you would do going forward? I mean, 100%. I mean, and it's not tanking the season. I don't think the Colts are tanking the season, by the way. I, I think the Colts are looking at what they have. And, and I think, look, Indiana just welcomed in, uh, if I remember correctly, its highest rated recru- recruiting class ever by, by a fairly large margin. And there's a lot of guys in that class that I'd like to see play. I'd like to see what they have. Uh, you know, this, this notion of, you know, maintaining a four-game uh, redshirt situation for a lot of these guys, you know, uh, I'm not sure I would do that at this point. I mean, I want to see Omar Cooper play. I, I, I want to see... Uh, uh, you know, we, we've had a, we we got a pretty good prospect on the a defensive tackle who's played a little bit. Well, let's just go ahead and put him out there and see what we can do. Um, I play you know some of the younger guys quite a bit at this point, uh, not just to see what they have, uh, and a lot of them are a lot of them are very talented players, I think, uh, but also to encourage them to stick around. Frankly, you know, I'd, I'd give them a lot of I'd give them a lot of PT from here on out. And uh, hopefully that might make the case to at least some of them that, you know, stay right where you are because you're going to play for us. So, yeah, I, I would I would go young at this point, not across the board, of course. And it's not like I'm I'm advocating benching all the starters or, you know, not letting the seniors play or whatever. But I'd be putting in those young guys on a regular rotating basis at this point. Yeah. TJ, any questions? I think it, it makes perfect sense. And I'll, I'll give this to Matt and Andy. Uh, both Matt, Matt, has, Matt had to leave. Uh, his son has okay. football practice. So. So. so we'll go with Andy here. Andy, I, you have seen a lot of different coaches try to succeed at IU, and some have done so to varying degrees. Others have not. What we have not seen, really, and Kevin Wilson, you could argue, did this a little bit, but we have not seen Indiana ever fully embrace being completely different. And what I mean by that is, hypothetically speaking, if the Tom Allen era does come to an end, and I don't think that you're advocating for that or expecting that to happen after this season, but and it, it's not going to. Uh, we've discussed here on this podcast the the buyout is not feasible for Indiana to pay, and there's no donor out there that's going to do it. So, uh, but hypothetically speaking, when that does come to an end, do you think it makes sense 
for Indiana to embrace something completely different, whether that is a, a an option offense and attempting to be uh, kind of a, a Paul Johnson, Georgia Tech, um, and, and be completely different, understanding that that takes a while to transition to, and it takes even longer to transition out of in terms of your scheme and personnel. Uh, or maybe a Zach Kitley at Western, or at, um, it was at Western Kentucky, went home to, to Texas Tech, I believe, uh, to be their OC. A Zach Kitley, like a, a true air raid offense, not a, you know, a up-tempo or a, a spread offense, but a true air raid. So something completely different and totally outside the box that nobody else in the conference does. Do you think that that is something that IU needs to take a look at to try and find a niche and some success? Um, well, that's I'm kind a good of question. For something like that, because you've seen this throughout your time covering Indiana. Most of the time, just trying to be like everybody else, flat out does not work for IU football. Well, I, I, I've heard that argument put forth before. Uh, I, I've always resisted it. I've never bought into it. I'm maybe getting closer to buying into it now, but I'm still not there. I don't like it. I, I don't like a gimmicky kind of solution here. And one of the reasons I say that is because yeah, I saw Bill Mallory play really basic football here and, and build a really good team and, 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 this, and yeah. went to five bowls in seven years. And, and so, no, I don't really buy the notion that Indiana can't play, you know, a more conventional style of football and make it work. And I don't like the notion, I, if I were going to pick between the two, you know, like a, a Navy style option attack, as opposed to like, say an air raid attack, just, just from a, a fan enjoyment point of view, I'd rather see the latter. I'd rather just throw it all over the yard and create some excitement that way. Uh, and I, I speak as an old wishbone fullback. And then I, I remember uh, when my high school senior year, we went to the wishbone and this is how old I am. It was the newfangled uh, offense on the block at that point. And a lot of people didn't know how to defend it, which uh, worked to our advantage. The problem with, I think, as you say, like a Georgia Tech or Navy style of option attack, everybody has seen that now. Everybody, everybody knows how to kind of defend that. And yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to work in uh, like in a given week during the, during the season. But, you know, if people know they're going to be playing Indiana pretty much every year, they'll, they'll, they'll you know, adjust and they'll, they'll have an ability to handle that. I think the air raid is harder to handle, frankly. I think if Indiana tries to go option attack, you're just not going to have the personnel to really overpower people. Uh, you know, and you can argue that Navy isn't going to either, and yet Navy makes it work reasonably well, but not – I don't like that chronic, that whole notion of having sustained success with that kind of an option attack. I don't see it. I, 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 I don't really like watching it either, frankly. So I yeah. guess, you know, if, if I'm looking at it, if I'm going to do one of those two options, I go air raid and I can watch that and enjoy it with all of its uh, sort of inherent drawbacks as well. But, uh, I, you know, look, I, I think it does come down to coaching. In a lot of cases, it comes down to, what you have in terms of you know, your assistance on staff and whatnot. And we have a lot of guys now on the offensive staff now that Coach Hiller is gone and, and Rod Carey is coaching the offensive line. I want to see what these guys can do a little bit more. 
I want to give them a little bit more of a chance to kind of settle in here and see what they can do. And, and, you know, I, I mean, I, I look back a couple of years ago and I say, okay, you know, a lot of the same players are playing and some of them don't seem to be playing quite as well. Well, you know, back a couple of years ago, we, we had, you know, we had Kalen DeBoer as our offensive coordinator and we had Kane Womack as our defensive coordinator. And we had, we had, you know, a lot of other, you know, coaches involved in, in that sense. We had Dave Ballou was our, was our strength guy. Uh, and that seemed to be going in the right direction. And they were playing better. You know, Indiana was playing better at that point in time than it ever did in the Kevin Wilson era. I mean, you know, I like Kevin personally, actually. And I, I, I admired what he tried to do here at Indiana. But Kevin Wilson never had a winning season in Indiana. Never. He, he, right. he never finished with a winning record here. And I think people kind of romanticize about Kevin and they, and they, you know, they enjoyed watching Kevin's offense. And I think a lot of Indiana fans have said, man, if we could have just kept Kevin on the offensive side of the ball while having Tom really develop the defense for a couple of more years, that could have been pretty exciting. And I agree yeah. with that actually. Uh, it didn't work out that way. And, and, but I think it comes back to coaching. I mean, you know, Tom Allen hired Kalen DeBoer. He found Kalen DeBoer. And now it turns out that the, the, the subsequent hire after Kalen departed was recommended to Tom by Kalen. That was one of the few bad calls that Kalen made while he was here. So, you know, he, he said, you should elevate Nick Sheridan. And it turned out, apparently, Nick wasn't ready. And so that really, that really threw a spanner into the works. Uh, and then Indiana you know, ended up losing this defensive coordinator as well, who's you know, gone on to enjoy some success in South Alabama already. I think it comes back to coaching. And, and we've got we've got technically a new defensive coordinator, a guy that I like who came in from Minnesota. Uh, and of course, Tom's handling the calls, and Tom's basically overseeing the defense again. But I'd like to see Tom delegate more authority to him, uh, frankly. Uh, and and you know, this is one change I'd like to see made. I'd like to see Tom go back to the head coaching role, and have just a good defensive coordinator making the defensive calls. I want I want to see Tom go back to more of an overview of the program. And then I think it's unfair to sort of pull the rug out from under, you know, Coach Bell at this point already. I want to see how he can develop the offense and, and what might happen. Let's just put it this way. What, what might happen if Rod Carey uh, in, the, in the upcoming offseason gets the offensive line in better shape to play? I, 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 I trotted out five, essentially five returning starters he'll have at his disposal. Uh, you know, Hagger's going to be gone, but, you know, Matt Bedford's going to come back probably. So, I mean, let's see what Rod Carey can do. Because if, if, if in fact, Indiana comes in the next season, even with that daunting schedule, but they've had a, they've had a, a, a longer time to work with Bell's offense. They figured out what they want to do at quarterback and their offensive line is playing a little bit better. Um, yeah. Let's see what they can do. I, I, I don't subscribe to the notion that Indiana will never have, the caliber of talent that can be competitive in the Big Ten, because Indiana's had the caliber of talent to be competitive in the Big Ten right now. In my view, they have the caliber of talent to be competitive in the Big Ten, and they just haven't been. And I think it comes back to coaching changes and 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 the the need to adjust to coaches over a period of time. And I'm not willing to render a verdict on the current offensive coordinator or, or Rod Carey coaching the offensive line just yet because we haven't seen it long enough. Does that, that make sense? That's a long answer. But I, I don't want to yeah. go to a radical new system yet. 
I want to give this staff a little bit more time to see if they can build a more sustained approach to play. And yeah, I, I think to, that's to... a reason, reasoned and very fair, uh, very fair answer. There are certainly drawbacks to it. One thing that I, I know Sammy kind of falls in line with this as well. And I'll, Sammy, I'll let you talk about it. But um, one thing that has become apparent to me, watching as much college football as I do from other teams and watching Indiana, I really feel like it is absolutely critical that IU has a quarterback capable of making plays with his legs. Um, And I'm not saying it has to be a scrambler first, but I do think it has to be a guy. And I believe this is what Walt Bell wants based on the quarterbacks he is pursuing in IU's recruiting classes, Brock Lowry, a guy that can move the ball with his legs. He's doing it uh, for an overmatched team in Ohio. And one of the reasons I'm excited about Lowry is he is playing at a program that traditionally is not a heavy hitter in Ohio. Mm -hmm. And he is almost single-handedly carrying his team to be competitive against these Ohio traditional powers. Yeah, he's Sound familiar? I mean, that's yep. that's yep. Yep. yeah, yeah. So yeah, and, and I think once again, you look at Peyton. Got to have that. And, have to. Yeah, you, you you look at what Peyton Ramsey brought, and that's exactly what yeah. you're talking about. I mean, he he wasn't going to overawe anybody with his uh, physical prowess, but no, he was but quick. Yeah. He could sco- he could scoot. He was smart. You know, he understood how to play. I, you know, when we were talking about the quarterback situation preseason this year, that's one of the reasons I kind of favor Jack Tuttle, to be honest. Yep. Jack can actually run. You did Jack, Jack's pretty yeah. good at running, you know. And and I, I did like the notion of a of a relatively, uh, uh, you know. Uh, and once again, it's not like Connor Baselight can't run at all, but he's he's more stationary. And and I wasn't sanguine about the notion of a more stationary kind of drop back guy uh, playing behind this offensive line until the offensive line got fixed. And with Hiller, you know, Coach Hiller, you know, coaching the offensive line, I wasn't uh, necessarily real optimistic about that happening this season. As I said, I want to give Rod Carey some time. I've already seen, I think, at least marginal improvement. Would you say that to be true? I, I do. I, I, I thought play? it was. Yeah. I, I thought it was significantly better against Maryland. I thought yep. in the first half against Rutgers, they did pretty well. Uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, when they got that offense rolling, um, you know, it, look, it was the last memory you have of a Darren Hiller offensive line was Michigan basically setting up a camp in the IU backfield. So, <laughs> yeah, it, 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 anything yeah. is better than that. But I, I think that they're playing more confident. Um, they're playing more physical, I thought. Uh, they're, they're not getting, you know, pushed back into Connor Basilek's lap. And to go on TJ's quarterback point yeah basically like he, he can run but he's not somebody you want you have to account for in the run game and no you he, know when you go back and, and he and look doesn't at, really have he, he doesn't really have that escapability no when yeah. you go back and look at Peyton Ramsey he's a guy who if he saw open space he could go get you 10 or 12 or 15 yards whereas if that mm-hmm. same hole opens up with Basilek he's maybe getting two um, or throwing the ball away. Uh, and, you know, I was never a huge 
early on a huge Peyton Ramsey fan. I've grown to appreciate him more and more. I mm-hmm. thought he was a, a gamer, a tough as nails kid, and a and a real mm-hmm. uh, a real leader. He did have his physical limitations, but um, he did everything IU was asked of him. And uh, you know, arm strength be damned. He gave you a chance to win uh, more times than not, and that's all you could ask for. So, I, I think that's the style. But you have to have a quarterback that the defense has to account for in the run game uh, to take the pressure yep. off the running back. To you know, put somebody in a uh, to make a decision: Do I go and cover the quarterback, or do I go and cover the receiver, and make them make that decision? Um, and, and we've seen no, it time I, and time again hard, against but... IU. And I, in fairness to Connor Bazelak, who's, you know, really showed a lot of guts uh, stepping in this year. He's maybe a little gun shy by now, and who can blame him, you know? And, and in fairness to him, once again, as well, um, one of the reasons I heard about, uh, that I heard in regard to him winning the job over Jack, and, and once again, Jack is a better runner by a fair amount. Jack can yes. really run. He's actually fast. And, and he's got a notion about when to escape the pocket. And Jack, and I know some people might disagree with this, I think Jack's got a better arm, too, than Bazelak does, actually. What, the reason Bazelak got the job, at least what I heard, was that his two years of experience playing in the Southeastern Conference and being able to read defenses and being able to see the field was a significant uh, uh, advantage for him over Jack. Who, and Jack just hasn't played very much. You know, Jack, Jack's never had a period of time when he was out there for a long stretch of a season and playing against, you know, elite competition. It just hasn't happened. And so that's what I heard about Basilak was that he can really see the field and he can really read defenses. And I'm sure that's probably true. The problem has been that he hasn't had time to read defense. He hasn't had time to see the field. He's, yeah. he's you know, spent too much of his time running for his life. And that, that's not conducive to his skill set. No. Uh, so, you know, that's another thing I, mean, I mentioned earlier about if Rod Carey could fix the offensive line a little bit, maybe Connor Bazelak could play a little better next year. You know, maybe, maybe he'll have a chance to reemerge next year and play a little bit. I mean, you know, it's, 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 it just hasn't worked out this year in terms of, you know, what, what Indiana needed to have happen. And it could have worked out. I mean, you know, they, they, they could have, I don't know what you guys think, but I was in the stands watching the Maryland game. And I think if, if, you know, we don't have a wide receiver fumble the ball away on that last drive, Indiana was rolling. It was probably going to go down and score and win the game. They, yep. they were probably going to use the rest of that time on the clock and go down there and score. I mean, it hasn't been that far away from, from being uh, the kind of season that, you know, I think people could have reasonably hoped for which was, you know, around 500, maybe challenging for a bowl. You know, I mean, nobody was expecting nine or 10 wins, except maybe the folks in the program. But I think everybody else felt like, you know, hey, you know, we can win five or six and maybe, you know, we can go to a bowl. We have yeah. enough personnel to make that happen. And I don't think that's inaccurate. And that's another reason why I don't want to, I don't want to pull the plug on the whole thing. You guys know how much I like Tom just as a person. And, yeah. I, and I think Tom's a pretty, pretty damn good football coach too, by the way. And, I, and no, this is not the time to pull the plug on it as dis, dispiriting as it has been. But he's got his work cut out for him. I mean, next year's schedule is pretty damn brutal. And he's got, you know, one more offseason to really kind of figure it out and to get things better. Uh, but I'm not going to 
I'm not going to throw in the towel at this point. I'm just not. And I know a lot of people are willing to do that, but I'm not one of them. Well, Andy, thanks for joining us on your birthday. Have a happy birthday. Uh, enjoy yeah. the, the bye week and enjoy uh, some Big Ten rivalry games as well as others uh, around the the SEC and the rest of college football. So uh, thank you again. Well, your well, insights are always awesome. Well, thank you. And I'm sorry I jumped on late. I had I had other birthday things on my brain. And for some reason, I thought it was 530 instead of 430. So I apologize. And uh, it's always good to be on with you guys. Thanks a lot. All right. Uh, that was Andy Graham. <laughs> Matt Weaver was on with us from Peaks.com. Uh, TJ, let's put a bow on this podcast uh, before we get out of here. Um, the rest of the season, I, I think we both said it. IU, I, I would like to see them. Uh, play the reserves a little bit more. See, um, you know, get these one, get the, the these young, talented guys experienced so that you don't run into the problem of, uh, oh, a, a starter went down and now we have an inexperienced guy behind him or, uh, yeah. you know, the same thing with attrition. And then, um, you know, seeing what Rod Carey does, I, I I would hope that he is a real candidate to stick back uh, to come back and, and stick at O-line coach. I would understand mm-hmm. if he went somewhere else to to be a, a coordinator or maybe even a head coach again. Um, but uh, if he's back, as Andy said, uh, next year, having a full off season and, and, and things like that. But I, I think this is a time IU has to take stock of, of what they have, um, give give some of these young guys a taste of, of playing Big Ten football and um, – you know, either entice them to stick around, get them experience uh, and, and things like that, and see if some of them can play and be playmakers and, and go out. You have two trophy games to end the season. You still have things to play for uh, and, and things like that. So go out and, and you know, at least gain something. Even if you don't win another game this season, gain something meaningful from these last four games. Yep, absolutely. I, I think I'm – I'm kind of looking at mainly um, that quarterback position. And I, I really, I, I've tried really hard to think what does continuing to play Connor Bazelak every snap, what, what does that do for you? Nothing. And it's going and to be I, Dexter Williams. And I've seen too many people say that, that Jack Tuttle needs to play. Jack, him entering the transfer portal effectively ended his time as, as quarterback, as the season goes on. Uh, I, I wish yeah, they had played him earlier. Yeah. Which is yeah. fine. It, it's Dexter Williams. It's time to, to get in there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that does two things. Number one, it would allow you as an offense and as Walt Bell and whoever else uh, to and his receivers to be able to evaluate, okay, this is the player that Dexter Williams is right now. Not, not the player he can be in the future, but who he is right now and tailor the offense throughout the remainder of the four games to kind of figure out what works with him and what doesn't. And number two, it gives Dexter Williams a chance to have live action, which cannot be replicated in practice, have live action reps of meaningful football, that he can get used to that 
and you can go into the offseason with a legitimate quarterback competition between Basilak if he stays, Dexter Williams, and whoever else, Lowry, Thorsby, whatever. But it would give Williams a legitimate chance. You'd have a four-game set of data to evaluate him yep. versus Basilak, and it would give Dexter Williams that additional experience. I think it makes all the sense in the world. If if you ask me who starts against Penn State, I would bet a whole lot of money it's Connor Basilak. Yep. Um, and then once I think, you know, but, I, yeah, I, I agree. And it's frustrating because that's it's a home game. It's it's a game against Penn State where you you really want um Dexter Williams to get maybe you start sprinkling him in against Penn State uh, and give him a couple of drives and, and things like that and explain to to Connor and and Dexter both this is what we're doing this is the plan this is the best for the program and going forward because you do have I mean I I think he needs that Dexter Williams needs to play at Ohio State at Michigan State against Purdue um those are going to be you know those are two hostile environments on the road and potentially, you know, bad weather, cold weather, see what he could do in, in those games. And then you have the rivalry game against Purdue and, um, you know, playing against them, that that's going to show you how much guts uh, Dexter Williams has as well. So I, I think you, you start, bring them in. And then once you hit that seventh loss, it should be Dexter Williams show, uh, whether that's um, that comes against, uh, who would it be, you know, Ohio State, Michigan State, um, whatever it is, you got to go and and turn the reins over to Dexter Williams. That's what's best for the program, uh, in, in my opinion, and, and we'll see. But thank you guys for joining us. Enjoy uh, your Halloween weekend uh, as yeah. well. And uh, you can come back to HoosierHuddle.com. We'll answer all your questions from the mailbag. We've got a whole bunch, TJ. Uh, we'll answer them on the mailbag on Saturday. And, uh, you know, follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore huddle and subscribe, uh, rate, subscribe, like uh, the YouTube page as well. So uh, thank you, guys. Enjoy. uh, Enjoy the uh, end of the fall. And uh, we'll talk again.